Well, we are always, uh, you know, I've talked about the whole vitamin C injection into patients suffering from coronavirus, 700 with the Northwell Health, they're being treated. But what are other ways that you can help and that people and that companies are helping and that individuals who own companies are helping? Well, I've got someone on the phone who's doing just that. Her name is Dr. Katie Jarvis. And, and Dr. Jarvis, first of all, welcome to this podcast, Keeping Real with Alex Garrett. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alex. So I know that you do Bed Beacon, and you have some exciting news to announce there. I, I know that uh, you're, you got an apprenticeship, but your app is helping people through this crisis, helping hospitals through this crisis. Uh, tell us what you're doing. Okay, so my app is uh, essentially we are a software platform that helps sort um, healthcare facilities by types of beds they have and by um, availability, but also by quality. So um, think, you think about companies that are like Zillow to help you find a house or the airline Travelocity that helps you find an airline seat. We're that, but we're for healthcare. And uh, we have been building this app for a really long time in advance of this pandemic and then modified it for the pandemic. So uh, when we saw that China was struggling with um, with this, we, we decided that we would start to build in the questions that would help us screen patients across the whole care continuum. So let me show you what that looks like. If you're a patient in a nursing home and you need to go to the hospital, the nursing home staff can answer the questionnaire related to coronavirus and then let the hospital know that they're sending you to their emergency room. What that means for healthcare workers is that they have an early identification of somebody who might be coronavirus and can cohort them before they get there. So uh, one thing that I've seen from the New York you know, ERs is that you don't know who's coming in and who might have coronavirus and who needs to be cohorted so that they don't spread the disease to other patients. Our app would allow some communication within healthcare to make that happen. Well, and, and so... I am a little, I'm very concerned about New York. I mean, we are the epicenter. And usually I don't agree with de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, a lot, but this is, the, these leaders here have been spot on. This is an epicenter. We have to cure it. And, and Dr. Jarvis, what I'm most afraid of is that we're going to run out of supplies in the next few, few days. I mean, not just weeks, few days. So uh, what advice, if, a, if there's a medical doctor listening in New York, what advice do you have for New York hospitals and, and for the nationwide trying to help? get rid of this thing so i think we're, we're all in this together and i recognize that new york is the do, new york doctors are truly heroes so are the nurses so are the social workers and case managers the ambulance drivers every person who goes into the hospital the cleaning staff you know the cleaning staff are really important right now every person who goes into the hospital is going into the hospital despite the fact that they have family at home and they're worried. They're worried that they might get this or bring it home to their family. Um, they're, I know that a lot of our doctors uh, down in the South, when we go home, we, we take off all of our scrubs and clothes before we even go into the house um, so that we don't um, bring contaminated clothes into our household, um, put them in a box in our garage, and then come in and, and uh, wash those clothes separately from the clothes that we uh, wear at home. Um, we take off our shoes before we enter the house. Um, we're 
um, constantly washing our hands, but we're sleeping in separate bedrooms from our families. Um, what that means, though, is that your entire daily routine has changed. And, and basically, healthcare workers are tired at the end of a, a much more stressful day. Um, and, and we need support, too. And um, it's a time frame where you're not spending as much time directly in front of your family because you're trying not to spread something to them if you get it. Well, me, uh, um, and that is a worry. I mean, when I come home, they, they empty my clothes, wash them right away as soon as I get in from the city. So Right. But I've got to ask, right. have you been in touch with New York hospitals? Have they been? Have you been reaching out to them to say, hey, here's an option for you in case you're running out. I've got, I've got a window. I've got an opportunity for you here. Yeah, so I would absolutely love to work with the New York hospitals. Um, we're talking with some uh, nationwide leadership, and we're talking with hospitals around the country. We're um, talking with, um, you know, all kinds of groups. What I'll tell you is that um, it's a process to decide on something new, if, whether you're a government or also a healthcare system. Um, yet this is a time frame where we can really help. So we've been really impressed by the ability to get response. Um, but if any of your listeners know hospital leadership in New York who would like to use our platform, we're really, uh, at this point in time, we're not trying to profit off of the this terrible tragedy of a pandemic. We're literally uh, wanting to make this reasonable to roll this out to as much of the nation as possible. The licensed um, apprenticeship. Talk, talk to us about that for a minute, Dr. Jarvis. Okay, so in the middle of responding to Hurricane Dorian, we moved patients from one nursing home to another utilizing our software. We recognize that there's really a big opportunity for private facility workers to respond to public health emergencies. And they already do that with a lot of their employees and have emergency operations plans for hospitals, for nursing homes, et cetera. So there's, there's already a lot of planning involved. But we recognize that data analysts could also be harnessed in the setting of a disaster to answer questions about supply movement and about need for um, personnel and answer real-time questions about how a problem is spreading or changing in the moment. And so we recognize that public health was very important as a part of a data analyst's training in a healthcare facility. So there are some registrations you have to have in order to respond to any FEMA incident command system, for example, um, where, you, where you have to take certain coursework prior to going to that. Um, the CDC teaches about disease spread in some courses that they have, and the National Institute of Health trains in research. So we combine some of the um, publicly available information about public health to equip workers to be able to respond to public health emergencies and, and to better understand disease and disease spread, and also to research diseases in a way that makes sense and is safe. Um, we also wanted um, for workers to understand the laws of healthcare technology and how healthcare technology works so that they are very functional in asking the right questions um, for their healthcare institution while equipping them at the same time with all of the skills a data analyst has. So data analysts often know uh, 
a computer programming language called Python and often know Excel and R and statistics. And so we, we teach all of those things as a part of this program so that a healthcare worker can learn more technology skills and somebody who has technology skills can learn a lot more about healthcare. And we can create in one person a black belt type of skill set to really be able to answer the tough questions of medicine as diseases emerge. Well, Dr. Jarvis, I'm sure technology in today's landscape we got is playing such a tremendous role. I mean, before this happened, thank God we had all our medical records in one system, nation, you know, hospital-wide. But that really comes into play here because if people are in the system already, you can pull up their records and make it a quicker diagnosis now. I mean, how has technology helped during this coronavirus outbreak? Um, so our technology, you're talking about how technology can help. Um, our technology can help social workers and case managers stay at home to respond to this disaster, which means that they'll be able to social distance. That's key when you think about having critical workers uh, and, and barely having enough or not having enough of them and then having a surge on the system with lots of extra patients. You seriously can't afford to have workers get sick. And yet we know our, our bodies respond the same way that everybody else's bodies do to this virus. So if I can help a social worker or case manager stay at home by using technology and harnessing the system that we already have, then what that means is that that worker can then continue to work on uh, and not get sick. And, and that particular type of worker helps identify where patients can go in the healthcare system. So they're literally directing traffic, and right now we've got a traffic jam. Well, it, it is great that, that certain sectors of the hospital could work from home, but do you have any encouragement for those literally on the floor dealing with COVID patients right now, nurses, doctors? I mean, they are being tried to the fullest here. And, and any advice and any encouragement as you've been through disaster before, what, what would you say to especially people in New York on the floor dealing with COVID patients right now? Um, I just want to say that the entire nation knows that you are working so hard for the benefit of your patients. We recognize, we, as, as a healthcare community, we recognize that you're answering harder questions. Uh, you're telling people they have a diagnosis they don't want to have. We recognize that you're treating people who are very sick and more of them per hour and a higher percentage of the people who you treat are really sick. We understand that there are shortages of equipment and that you're scared. You're scared for your own health. You're scared for the health of your patients. We also understand that people grieve in different ways and that all of America right now is essentially grieving. Um, and that you're in the midst of that. And so we know that emotions are heightened and we know that you're dealing with a really tough disease. And quite honestly, we're just appreciative. We're really appreciative for everything you do. And and your app, could they could BedBeacon help those on the floor right now? Can they get in touch with some services through your app? Absolutely. So they could look up um, other nursing homes, other hospice, and, and show their patients quality information related to those. So if they have a patient who has COVID-19 and they're trying to find a hospice unit um, in their area, then they could use our app to essentially um, help the family members look at what the quality is of the hospice unit. How frequently are the families 
satisfied with the pain management of a patient? How frequently are they satisfied with the um, responsiveness of the staff of the hospice agency? They can sort based upon all of that and um, give the patients information at a time when um, the, the whole healthcare system is strained and, and quite honestly, the families can't go look at facilities because they're not allowed to visit. So if they're helping their patients select a facility, they have less information than they've ever had. And that puts a stress and an emotional stress on, on families. And then the healthcare workers are, are trying to help cope with that. Um, we're an app that would help them with that. Dr. Jarvis, I, I want to bring this up as well. You know, along with the lack of medical supplies, I feel like there's not the stories coming out of recovery, people recovering from COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. Why why shouldn't we talk about the recovery? I mean, isn't that an important part of this, like to show, hey, people are healing through this? I feel like that message should be heard as well. Absolutely. So it turns out that 80% of people usually uh, are able to uh, handle this at home, um, which means they're not going into the hospital. It's just the sheer volume of people who are going into the hospital strains the system. But what um, there there is, you know, if you get a diagnosis of COVID-19, it's not necessarily a death sentence. And I think people need to hear that um, because I think that it's, we hear so much about the hospital piece of it that we don't understand that it's not necessarily a death sentence. I, I also understand that anybody who's gone through COVID-19 and been worried, worried about spreading it to their family, worried that they may have to go to the hospital. I think we need to understand that there is a kind of a coping time frame after this recovery where you say, ah, I just made it through the battlefield. Okay. Right. And uh, it's okay to have a mixture of emotions about that. Just like somebody who gets through cancer has a mixture of emotions about that. You know, you might see your life differently than you did before and say, well, I've made it through this. What do I want to do with my life that's really meaningful? I've made it through this. Now I want to become closer to my family. Um, Those are natural responses. It's also natural for people to be angry, angry they had it in the first place, Um, sad, you know, or to go from all these feelings, you know, one at a time, but in a different order. I mean, I I just think, think that it's allow yourself permission to have a gamut of emotions after you have healed through this. That's okay. Well, and Dr. Uh, Jarvis, on the local level, um, people are probably freaked out. Is my pharmacy open? Is my pharmacy going to get my meds? Can you give insight to that? Like how can people approach the local pharmacies and, and what role should we expect from the pharmaceuticals as the FDA is approving all of these different drugs and whatnot? Right. So the the pharmacist doesn't really have a whole lot of control over what medication your provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant orders for you or what the health departments allow. So um, just know that they are doing their very best to fill these medications as quickly as they can. Um, I would say that if you're going to the pharmacy, go through the drive-thru. I personally don't want to stand in line with a bunch of people who have a cough right now. And so... A pharmacy is a great place to find people who have a cough, and yet we need our medications. So I'm not discouraging you from getting your medications. What I'm saying is go through the drive-thru. You expose yourself to less people that way. Absolutely. Go ahead. And I understand that drive-thru lines might be longer in the setting of this, 
but just sit in your car, play some calm music, and wait. I think that's the other thing. We need, we need to calm ourselves when we're in situations like worrying about the medicine, worrying about whether we could catch it. It's just about taking a deep breath and saying, you know what? We are going to do what we have to. I, I do think staying in right now is the best move to stop the spread. I truly believe that motive. And we also have to have the message of moving forward. Absolutely. So there are things you can do when you're at home to stay connected to family. You can use all the technology we have, Skype, Zoom, and FaceTime. At times you regularly talk to people, coworkers that you're no longer, you know, seeing at work, um, friends, and family. And I would say set a schedule. Set a schedule so that you have regular support so that you're not losing the social aspect of your day because that's incredibly important to us as people. And I think that it's easy to say, well, I'm a busy worker, you know, I value my career and therefore I, you know, I'm okay. But um, at work, you have social interaction. And I think it's really important to say we we have social distancing, but we don't have social isolation. And those are two very different Well, I'd rather ask you this, and I don't know if they asked this on Breitbart, and congratulations for being highlighted on Breitbart, by the way. Um, But... But what, when these disasters hit, do you, is this the moments where you feel like, yes, I went into the right career, I chose the right career? I mean, this is a different feeling than any other day treating someone as a doctor. This is something more special that you're doing to get people through it. Oh, that's a really interesting question. And nobody's actually asked me that. You know, I think that it is um, incredibly gratifying to find those moments where you can really truly help somebody. I I work as a hospital doctor. I'm I'm family medicine trained. And I chose hospital medicine because I really like to help sick patients. And um, the moments I've worked in rural America where I've worked in the ICU and on the hospital floor, I have absolutely loved my role of really being able to make a difference. Um, This disease in particular is a hard moment because we literally don't have a whole lot to do other than support you with fluids and Tylenol and, you know, Zofran for your nausea and symptomatic management um, of your cough, of your nausea, of that kind of thing. There are some trial medications, uh, medications we've used for other things uh, and uh, some hopeful treatments on the horizon Certainly, the FDA has worked on really fast-tracking in the process of getting these medications approved for uh, and trials. Yeah, that's historic and totally unusual. They uh, usually have a very long stepwise process that medications have to go through in order to be uh, approved. Um, and they're saying, you know, for chloroquine, we know that it's already gotten through some of those stages of uh the process for other uh, indications. And so we know something about safety. Let's just go ahead and roll it out. That's something that you just don't hear the FDA saying usually. Um, So this is a massive change. You can see that they're really trying to help as much as possible. Um, So, you know, I I think that, um, you know, you see um, the, you see Medicare, making all kinds of massive changes. They used to require that um, patients go to the hospital and stay in the hospital for three midnights or 72 hours. 
um, in order to qualify for some of the insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, that they need in order to go to a nursing home. And right now they've said, let's suspend that rule because we don't want to force somebody who needs a nursing home to go into the hospital and be around disease in the setting of this pandemic. Um, we should allow them to go directly to the nursing home. That's historic. Um, and truly will decrease the disease spread for that patient population that's really vulnerable. Um, they actually suspended healthcare privacy rules, which is a shocker, but wonderful in that they're what they're trying to do is just really facilitate as much use of technology as possible, which obviously I believe in. Um, but they're simple, seriously just trying to make sure that we can use Skype and Zoom and any method possible to reach our patients at home as opposed to them having to come into our doctor's office, wait in a waiting room with a bunch of other people. You know. Well, and who would want that in a, in a time like this? I mean, I, when right. I, I was in pediatric ER. I'm 28, but I had still, because I have some special needs and whatnot, I had to go through pediatric for like 20-something years. But when I finally hit the adult side, it was like, whoa, this is unnerving more so because you hear adults coughing and wheezing and that it's just yeah. a horror. it really is a trying experience alone on a regular day uh being in the er with, with some that are sick now now i can't imagine that's why i think we're all doing the precautions we can and the advice is to stay away from the hospital is that still true that we have to do what we can to not go in because that that could be where we catch it if we don't have it already i i believe that's true so, um, you know, there's just a lot of bottlenecks in the system. Um, the average American hospital has, a, uh, once an ER doctor decides they're going to admit a patient into the hospital, a patient sits in a an ER bed for about 80 minutes waiting for their hospital bed. So there's already a tremendous inefficiency in that system. Well, you, you can imagine if you're sitting in a bed closer to other patients who are sick, you're more likely to get it. Um, you know, the thing that we don't talk about, cause, because we're talking so much about coronavirus, is that other diseases still happen in the setting of this. So patients still who have heart failure still have heart failure, even if coronavirus is in the community. Mm-hmm. And a portion of them still need the hospital because they get fluid on their lungs or fluid on their legs. Um, people who have kidney problems still have more problems in the community. So, you know, there are, and, and right now with runs on the supermarkets, people are eating differently than they ever used to eat before. You know, some, sometimes canned food or uh, rice or, you know, just the non-perishable types of food that you can eat. Um, and canned food is canned in a salty um type of water because that's how we preserve our food and that salt can make people who have heart failure retain fluid in their body and become more likely to come into the hospital same thing with people with kidney problems and liver problems so one thing we tell people is who have heart failure or have kidney or liver problems is if you're eating canned food wash off your vegetables with water before you actually put them into a pot. Don't use the water in the can for your vegetables uh, when you're boiling them. So 
uh, that water salty, rinse the salt off, and then cook your meal. Well, um, I think a lot of America doesn't understand that, and so we end up with a lot of people in the hospital just for um, a shift of the type of food they're eating, which is understandable in this pandemic. Dr. Jarvis, I just got one more, one more thing, and, I, and this is such important information, and I really – where can people find you? If they're intrigued in what you're saying now, where can people find you, first of all? Oh, okay. So we have a website called Bed Beacon, B-E-D, Bed um, Beacon, B-E-A-C-O-N. We like to say we're shining a light on finding a bed uh, in the healthcare system. And um, so there uh, is information about COVID-19 on our website. There are also contact forms where you can can reach us that way. If you know a hospital leader, a nursing home leader, um, a governmental leader who you could connect us with, where we could start to help you in New York, we would genuinely love to do that. So uh, please do reach out to us. And are you on Twitter, Dr. Jarvis? I am on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at Dr. Dr. Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Jarvis, J-A-R-V-I-S. My company's, so I have more followers on on Twitter than my company, but my company's Twitter handle is at Bed, B-E-D-B-E-A-C-O-N. And so you can reach out to me on Twitter as well. Well, I've just got one more thing to do to ask because I can't let you go without, I know you're, you're seeing the governmental side. This package finally got through is that a is that a hope that we can move forward now with this package um agreed to that they're going to finally fund a lot more than they were before you know i i think that we need to throw everything we have um at you know helping our workers right now and helping our system right now so i'm glad that uh, we have a package on the way and, and i'm excited about that i think that um you know, and all of the details will be worked out in the coming weeks. But what I do know is that it, everything we can do to help the American public right now is what we should be doing. And so I'm excited that uh, we're seeing progress with that as well. Uh, you know, I just I see a lot of uh, hard work being done um, from both sides of the aisle on really trying to help the American public right now. And uh, this is something that this is a problem that is so massive that none of us could have totally equipped ourselves for it. Um, and so right now we're responding and responding as quickly as we can. And I think that um, seeing that package signifies that our leadership is really working hard on our behalf and really trying to do something that will help us. Well, Dr. Jarvis, thank you, uh, Katie Jarvis. Thanks so much for joining us today. And by the way, I agree with you. We cannot ignore the other fact that people have other symptoms. So if you have other things, don't stop taking care of that and healing that as well. Um, and I just wish the media would talk about that side as well. So thank you for bringing attention to that that aspect. Thank you. And uh, I'm Alex Garrett. This has been another edition of Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon.